Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Hey, and welcome. My guest today is someone I met through the National Speakers Association. His name is Anton Gunn. And let me just say, I his bio, I had to go through, and it would take me about a half hour to read all of his accomplishments. So I'm just going to highlight a couple of them, okay? He is a former hospital executive, and he was a senior advisor to President Barack Obama on the Affordable Care Act. He has recently been named one of the 10 most influential minority executives in healthcare by Fierce Healthcare. Currently, he is the CEO of 937 Strategy Group, which works on leadership, workplace culture, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. He is from Columbia, South Carolina, a member of Generation X. Anton Gunn, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for having me. Excited about being here with you. Yeah. So first question, tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare. Yeah, well, so it's definitely great uh, to be with you. And and you gave all of the formal stuff in, in the bio, so I won't bother to recount that. But I will tell you, uh, first and foremost, is that I'm a son of a Navy veteran and the grandson of an Army veteran and a great grandson of an Army veteran. So I grew up uh, in a military family. Uh, where healthcare was never a concern in my life. And so it wasn't until I finished playing college football, where I had great healthcare while I was in college football, that I understood that healthcare was not accessible, affordable, or quality for every person in America. It wasn't until I was done that I saw that. And I started my career as a community organizer, talking to low-income people in communities about their experience with healthcare. And that actually shaped the framework of how I got into healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a social worker by training. So that's a profession that you don't hear a lot of people in healthcare talk about. They talk about nursing and, and physician practice of all sorts. Um, but I am a, a social worker by training. And I believe that allows me to look at both the macro systemic issues that create injustice in healthcare and the micro issues. And those are the things that kind of bring me into the space of healthcare. Okay. Um, excellent. And that you cover a really broad, um, a broad span there, which is uh, gives you a truly unique perspective. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And probably one of the most uh, loaded questions that you could ever ask anybody um, because quality um, you know, we all know it when we see it and when we experience it. And low quality is something that we know and, and experience ourselves. And so we know when we're not getting good quality. But how I define quality is the highest level of care possible to receive. That's how I would define uh, quality. And so what's highest for me may be very different from what's highest for you. However, the question is, is that we know what it looks like. Um, why don't most of us get it? That's the main question is why don't most of us get it? Because we know what the highest would, would feel like and what the highest would look like and what that experience would be like. 
And so most of us don't get it. And, and that's the proverbial question uh, that we work for every day in healthcare. It's really interesting to me that you say that because you are right. A lot of times when you hear somebody talk about healthcare, it, they can tell you what poor quality healthcare is, but they they can't really delineate what high quality healthcare is. And, and I don't, like, I don't want to make it like the, the old obscenity laws where like, I can't really define it, but I know what it is when I see it, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yes. Uh, let me, and the other piece that I was going to say, I want to highlight something you said earlier, you were talking about um, healthcare quality, but you were also talking about accessibility and affordability, which is, I don't know, maybe this is my commentary and I'd love to get your take on it. Why is it that when someone is prescribed a certain treatment, the first question that's asked is what kind of insurance do you have? Yeah. And in that way, the quality of healthcare is not based on what your needs are. The quality is based on who's the payer for your healthcare. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, the quality is tied to what you can afford or what um, your payer, your health insurer or your employer is willing to pay. I wish it was different. Now, let me just kind of be clear about that, that um, this is an American problem, the way we fund healthcare in the United States of America. It didn't start off as a problem. It started off as a benefit. And how we created the American healthcare system was really tied to employment, that it became a benefit to employees if you came to work at my company. And so we, we built this system, you know, um, you know, right after World War II or actually during World War II that created this framework where, you know, the quality of what you get is determined by someone else based upon what it costs and what you can afford. And I, I don't think it's right. And I think every day we should be working to make this system more right. Uh, but it's very complicated. I mean, we, we tie health insurance coverage to a job. We, we tie so many things to what you can afford to pay. And then there's so much money tied into research and the development of new technology that we've created, you know, something that is an economic engine for the, for the country. And so we have to be very careful at how we change it because nearly 20% of our gross domestic product is attached to healthcare. So it's like 18% of GDP. So one little major tweak in how we finance it or how we change it could be a massive disruption if we're not thoughtful on how we make it right. It's an amazing statistic. Thank you for sharing that. Now that we've established that it's difficult to give that example, but can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Yeah, my example of quality healthcare would really um, tie directly into accessibility and affordability, which is if you uh, have a health insurance plan through your employer and that employer says, it's more important to us that you are able to go to the doctor when you feel ill so we can prevent you from having complicated illness before, we're gonna make sure that your copay is zero. And not only are we gonna make sure your copay is zero, but we're gonna um, flip the coinsurance piece of this, and that is we're going to pay the majority of it out front, 
and worry about the 20% of your portion later. We're going to cover that 80% up front. So for any consumer, you've eliminated the cost burden from them being able to seek care. Then the second context is to say, you know what? We need to make sure that there are healthcare providers that are near where you work, play, and worship. See, a big part of this is that you can have two people who work at the same employer who do the same job, but one of them lives in a zip code for every 1,000 persons who live there, there's only one doctor. Mm -hmm. But another person who lives in a neighboring zip code for every 1,000 people, there are 100 doctors. And so you would think that why can't the person with only one doctor go right across into the next zip code, but there's some real and perceived barriers that might keep people. They may not have transportation. They may not feel welcome in that community. Or historically, there may have been other issues that have kept them from being able to go into that community. And this particularly plays itself out along race, gender, uh, language access, all kinds of things. And so for me, quality will look like when we remove all of those barriers from a person seeking care, getting care, and being able to um, afford care. Okay. And so what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes the quality of healthcare that we receive, again, another wrinkle to it, it's not just about what you can afford. It also has to do with with where you live um, yes. and, and the access. A, a very, very interesting point that you're making there. Uh, what do you wish people knew about your role in healthcare? And you can take that from any angle, whether it's social worker, hospital executive, or, or uh, leadership development, or all three. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I definitely think that I will, I will take all three because I think it's really important. Um, what I want people to know is that um, this is not um, a hobby for me. Uh, this is not a job for me. This is the passion of my life that I really do believe that we need to spend our time making sure that everyone, regardless of what you look like, your background, your experiences, your pre-existing conditions, um, the shape of your family, any demographic definer of you, that you have the opportunity to live out your God-given potential. We all have potential. And many times, most of us don't live out our potential because it's tied to our health. It's tied to how healthy we are to do those things that we have the ability to do. And so for me, my whole focus is how do we create an environment that defines that? So early in my career, it was fighting for access to make sure people could get insurance coverage under the Medicaid program. I kind of raised that up to when I worked for President Obama, my job was to, to do outreach and education about the Affordable Care Act so people could understand that this was coming, a change was coming, and it didn't matter if you had a pre-existing condition, you could still get coverage and get access to coverage. Later on, I went inside of an academic health system. I worked in a senior role for six years as an academic health system, training physicians on cultural competency, how to deliver care to diverse people and knowing that if a person speaks a language different than you, or if they are racially, culturally, ethnically, um, through gender identity or sexual orientation different than you are, you need to pay more attention to what they're saying and be more open to understanding their experience as you deliver care. 
And now I spend my time helping the healthcare workforce. Now, what do I mean helping the healthcare workforce? We have over a million people who work in healthcare. And I would love to say that every hospital is like you see on Grey's Anatomy or on ER or Marcus Welby or Trapper John MD, but it's not like that. Healthcare is a high stress environment for everyone that works there. Every decision can be life or death. And many times when you have those high stakes, tempers get short. People don't have a lot of tolerance and patience at all. And mistakes are something that are not tolerated. So for the workers in healthcare, it can be very toxic and hostile. And people get mistreated every day. If you look at the physician suicide rate, the number of physicians who want to take their own life is twice as high as that of the general population. Hmm. 55% of doctors have thought about leaving the profession in the next 10 years. And don't get me started on how nurses are at an epidemic in terms of their missing from the workforce. We can't keep nurses or retain nurses. And it's because of the toxicity in the workforce. And so now my goal is to help leaders and organizations that run hospitals and healthcare organizations build a kind of culture where every healthcare worker will thrive and where do they feel valued and respected every day. But most importantly, when you need them the most as a patient, that they're ready to serve you because they're not stressed, because they're not uh, in a toxic environment, and they can do the best job possible delivering quality health care so you can get, go back home to your family and your community and live out your God-given potential. That's what I want people to know. I'm most passionate about this from top to bottom, from inside to out. This is my life's work. Yeah, and that is such a powerful statement that you've made, and I think that it it is important from two sides, okay? What you talked about is the the stress that the healthcare workers are under, and that has been greatly exacerbated by COVID and everything that's going on. Um, but at the other point in that is, what is it that we're trying that healthcare workers are trying to do for patients? Um, it's allow them to get back to their home and to get back to their life, and in in that way, both sides need to be taken care of. Um, or the whole system has basically failed. Um, yes. What excites you about the future of healthcare? I think what, what excites me, and this is kind of like the silver lining for me inside of the global pandemic around um, coronavirus, um, the novel coronavirus of COVID-19, is that more than ever before, the American public is seeing the value of our healthcare workforce. Everyone from the people who are in patient transport to the physicians, to the nurses, to people who work in ERs, to the people who have to buy items in the supply chain to make sure there are enough masks and enough gowns and enough gloves and enough Q-tips, all of these things. People are really seeing the value of our healthcare workforce. And so I think that's going to create an opportunity for us to have a new conversation of how do we build a better system? How do we prepare for the next pandemic? How do we make sure that what is happening right now never happens again? And this is going to come with a lot of challenge, uh, but it's also going to come with something else that I'm really big on are some innovations. Like I, I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs, people who are now entering into the healthcare space 
uh, who started companies that are really focused on uh, meeting the supply chain needs around personal protective equipment, people who are trying to find ways to, to get vaccines to market faster, people who are providing COVID testing, not just for COVID, but for flu A and flu B, and can do 48,000 tests in one hour to make sure that we reach so many people. These are the kind of companies and the innovations that I'm starting to see. And that's what excites me about the future is that our healthcare system has always been one of resiliency. And we're seeing that more than ever before. And we've also been one of innovation. And I really do feel like the innovations that we're starting to see are going to shape our future in ways that we have never imagined. Excellent. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? The one thing every medical professional can do today to start improving care for, for everyone and improving the quality of healthcare is to answer yes to three questions. They can do this if they answer yes to these three questions. So let me tell you what the three questions are, but I'm going to tell you who you need to answer them for. You need to answer them for every patient, for every member of your healthcare team, every family member, every visitor, and every person that you come in contact with. Here are the three questions. Question number one, do you care about me? Question number two is, will you help me? And question number three is, can I trust you? Now, when I say answer yes to those three questions, I don't want you to answer yes to those three questions with your words. I want you to answer yes to those three questions with your actions. How are you showing the care team that you care about them, that you're willing to help them, and that they can trust you? How are you showing that parent, that visitor, that child who is with a sick parent that you care about them that you're willing to help them to get back to their lives and live out their God-given potential, but more importantly, that they can trust everything that you say and do is going to be focused on those first two questions. That's what every healthcare, every medical professional should be doing is through their actions, answering yes to those three fundamental questions. That is a very powerful way to end this conversation. Anton Gunn, Thank you very much for being with me today. I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.